Good morning, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. We are here on day 330, beginning the book of Judges, Judges chapter 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a, a new book to open up together, the book of Judges. We pray that you would write your word on our hearts and that you would help us to walk in it and to walk with you through it to understand what you would speak to us in it, and may you be glorified in our lives for what we learn from it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges, chapter 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated ten thousand of them at Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. And the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country of the Negev and in the lowland. And Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And the defeated Shishai and Ahaman and Talmai. From there, they went against the inhabitants of Deber, the name of Deber was formerly kiriath Sefer, And Caleb said, He who attacks kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it, and he gave him Aksa, for a da his daughter, for a wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have set me in the land of the Negev. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And the descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negev near Arad. And they went and settled with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they defeated the Canaanites who, who, who inhabited Zephath and devoted it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Judah also captured Geza with its territory and Ashkelon with its territory and Ekron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from it the three sons of Anak.
But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph scouted out Bethel. Now the name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. And he showed them the way into the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man and his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz. That is its name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen or its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibleam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalol. So the Canaanites lived among them, but became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Achlab or Akzib or Helva or of Aphek or of Rehob. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Herez, in Ijalon, and in Shalabim. But the land of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim, uh, from the ascent of Akrabim, from Selah, and upward. <clears throat> so that's Judges chapter 1. Um, and what we're having here, some of this material in chapter 1 of Judges overlaps with some of the things that we were already told in the book of Joshua. In fact, a lot of it does. And it's really the picture of which tribes were more faithful to the Lord in driving out the inhabitants and fully settling the land versus those tribes that were less faithful and did not do what God had told them to do. So I've popped a map up here real quick uh, from Crossway, and the green shaded area tells you those areas that actually have been conquered. And so the tan areas are the areas that it refers to and says they didn't drive the Canaanites out of that land. Um, and you can see a large pocket of this uh, right in the middle that kind of comes in. That's right in the heart of what it should be Manasseh's territory, um, but it has the, the, the inhabitants of the land haven't been driven out yet. 
Now, this is an interesting contrast to the end of Joshua, because at the end of Joshua, not one word had failed of all that the Lord had promised, that the Lord had done everything, the land was subdued, and yet we have this reality check, not necessarily everywhere, and not necessarily was every tribe equally faithful in doing that. So how do we hold those two things together? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Well, no, the Bible's never contradicting itself, of course. In Joshua, we get the emphasis on the fact that the Lord kept his promise to give them the power and the strength and the ability to drive out the Canaanites and, and that not one of his promises failed. There was no one who could stand against the Israelites as they were faithful to take the land. But then we get the human side of it in the reality in Judges, and that is that not every tribe was equally faithful. And not every tribe did what they were supposed to do to drive out uh, the tribes that were there. And so that's just that's just the reality of, of the fact that God gives promises and God provides what is needed for those promises to be fulfilled. And for those who, by faith, obey the Lord, they see the promises of God fulfilled in their lives. But then there are many people who, through fear or apprehension or half-heartedness, or whatever, compromise, just decide, eh, I'm not really wanting to have the full, uh, you know, the full measure of what God has for me. I'm going to sort of take a part and a piece. And so you see that where not all of the land was necessarily subdued um, to the Israelites. Some of the best conquered land was where Judah and Simeon worked together uh, in, in the southern part. And that becomes some of the strongest territory that's held uh, by the people of God. Okay, so bringing our text back, let's just take a look at this chapter to see. And that's uh, the first thing we see is this focus on Judah. And who's leading the people of Judah? Well, it's Caleb, right? The son of Jephunneh. He, all the way back when the 12 tribes were sent out, you know, 50 years earlier, plus, Caleb was one of those 12 tribes. He was one of the 12 spies, and those 12 spies were leaders of their tribes, and Caleb was the leader of the tribe of Judah. And so we see Caleb and the Judahites are taking um, hold of the land. They're actually cooperating with Simeon, and this is why Simeon ends up having land that is in the midst of the land of Judah. See if I can get that map back up here. Yeah. So you see. Get a hold of it. Here we go. The land of Simeon is in the in the middle of the land of Judah down in the Negev. And that's because Judah and Simeon cooperated together to conquer this land. Now the Philistines still lived along the coast. So Ashkelon and Geza and all that. That is part of Judah's inheritance, but that was not conquered by Judah, uh, the Philistines were, were holding on to that coastland. It really becomes King David. Remember when David fights Goliath? Goliath, a Philistine, is because he's the head of Judah, or he's, he's from the tribe of Judah, and they're going out to fight for their inheritance. Remember I told you earlier that the, one of the large portions of Canaanite stronghold was in the middle of Manasseh, where they should have driven them out, but they didn't, and also Ephraim. So here, right here in Manasseh and Ephraim was where you would see on the, on the other map where there was still large Canaanite-held territory in the midst of the land of Israel. 
But what we see is a picture of faithfulness with Judah and, and Simeon. They're working together, and that's why Simeon ends up having an inheritance in Judah, because they end up coming in under Judah's leadership, un, under Caleb's really strong and determined leadership uh, to, to drive out those Canaanites. And they, and they get a very sizable portion of land because of their faithful obedience and their cooperation together. So when God's people cooperate together in faithful obedience to God's command to carry out God's purposes, you know, good things happen. But where God's people are timid or they refuse to cooperate together, you know, Manasseh and Ephraim could have cooperated together probably and pushed those Canaanites out of that land that they were in, but they didn't. And so, you know, they didn't, they didn't do what God had given them the opportunity to do. And so I think this is, uh, we've mentioned this before, but I think that's probably the most obvious application lesson that we can draw from this passage is that how much um, joy, how much fruitfulness, how much growth, how much peace, how much we experience of the victorious Christian life, we could say, although that phrase gets misused by some circles, how much of that we experience does, does in part depend upon us of how much we're willing to vigorously go after what God has given us, uh, trust his promises, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, be connected to other Christian people in fellowship in the church. If we isolate ourselves out, if we don't, if we refuse to obey God by refusing to be part of his church, or we don't want to get really plugged in, or we don't want to commit that strongly, or we've got other priorities, we've got other things that we're pursuing, we'll end up being compromised, we'll end up being worldly, and then we'll end up saying, well, you know, why, why am I not living the Christian life that God has called us to live? Now, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is, if you read your Bible and you pray and you go to church and you're committed to Christ, then you're never going to have any problems. That's not true. Most of the apostles died martyrs' deaths. They struggled. But in their struggles and in their trials and in their afflictions, in their persecutions, they knew that Christ was with them. You read Philippians, for example, and Paul's joyful confidence in the purposes of God, even in his imprisonment, is so evident. So he it's not that he's spared trials or that he's healthy and wealthy or that he can name it and claim it like some weird Christian groups say. No, he's experiencing the life that God has for him with joy and thanksgiving and a knowledge of the presence and purposes and power of God for him because he has wholeheartedly uh, surrendered himself to the, the purpose of God and the calling of God on his life. And that's really what I think we get from a lot from Joshua as well as from Judges. Um, and the other thing that we can see in Judges is that where God's people disobeyed and drifted, what they often needed was a good leader, a judge, who would call upon the Lord and who would lead the people. And that's what we're going to start to get into in chapter 2. And that reminds us that Christ is the chief judge, right? He's referred to as the chief judge when the chief judge appears. Um, he is the one who leads us in victory. He's the one who gives us victory over our enemies. He's the one who, who, who captains his people, the army of his church for spiritual uh, engagement and warfare and conquest by the gospel uh, of, of that which God has given to us. And so we follow after the chief judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the extent that we're more faithful and more zealous in following him, he's the one who actually gives us 
that victory of and his place within his kingdom for us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this book of Judges. It's going to have so much for us in these next several weeks. We pray that you would be our teacher and our guide through it, that we might make the most of what you've given us in this book, and that we might give you thanks for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, tomorrow, Judges chapter 2. Have a blessed day in the Lord.